And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 221 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I am here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, we have so many legends for 221. We have uh, the number of games that Moises Alou played for the Giants, uh, the number of RBI that Joe Panic had for the Giants, the number of runs scored by Gary Maddox. Which one do you want to start with? The number of total bases in Pat Burrell's Giants career? Just a plethora of two two ones. Oh, wow. Yeah. Or or we could just uh, give it up to everybody who's who who sits in section two two one for for being good good Giants fans. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's nice to have those Easter eggs back and uh, and nice to be uh, to be back to talk a little Giants baseball with you for another year. It is good to be back uh, just to just to do it. I, I don't know. Like, I, I like this podcast. Uh, the last time we had a podcast, uh, it was about uh, Carlos Correa and how good a fit he was with the Giants. I have really checked out since then. Uh, since our last podcast, I've kind of gone dark. Has anything happened? What, what's Correa look like in spring? How's he doing? How's he fitting in? How's Crawford adjusting? So many questions. Bags, just just tell me the scoop. Um, first, take a seat. Um, make sure you're <laughs> sitting down for this. Um, Grant, I hate to tell you, it didn't work out. Didn't work out. Carlos Correa is is with the Twins. I hate to tell you this. Um, he had termites in his ankles, uh, as I think you've written a few times. And, yeah. You know what? It's I, I, The Giants are still trying to move on from the craziest, zaniest offseason in history. And, uh, you know, it's it's really hard for us to do the podcast in the offseason. We do two a week, every week during the season. Um, and obviously, both of us are taking vacation time. Our great producer, Tanika Smothers, is in Warriors land and, and 49ers land and, and doing everything else else. So uh, I, I I think we both maybe feel a little bad. That the last podcast we left you with was, wow, what a game-changing, <laughs> franchise-defining moment for the Giants. They finally got their guy in Carlos Correa. And yeah, some things have happened since then. But it's going to take time. It's going to take time for this franchise to change the narrative from the offseason because it was such a dramatic and dramatically disappointing offseason. And yet, you know, when you look at the on-balance it was a productive offseason. I mean, they added seven free agents, if you count Jock Peterson, except in the qualifying offer. Um, and, uh, you know, they are going to be actually pretty close to the luxury tax threshold. Uh, but beyond their spending, I mean, th- this is a team that's going to have a lot of depth on the pitching side. And they should hit, I mean, if, if they have, even if they have a few guys who don't make it off the 
uh, deck in spring training, or they have some guys who spend time on the injured list this year, whether it's Conforto, Mitch Hanniger. They have enough of those upside guys with power that they should hit a lot more homers and, and maybe even enough homers to cover up some of their deficiencies. So I think the floor for this team is pretty high. As, as I've been in spring training for the last two weeks, I think the mood has been very good here. It's been very positive. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's not the team I think that a lot of people thought they would be, you know, watching this year. But I think it's still a team that it, it's not going to, you know, it, it's going to be an interesting year. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I – if you – sat down with me November 1st and you said, hey, what is, predict what you think the Giants are going to do this offseason? I would have said, well, I, I would love to cover Aaron Judge. I think that would be a fascinating story. I think the fans would take to him. I just don't think that's realistic. I think he was going to go back to the Yankees. Uh, I would love it if they would go get a big premium free agent like Carlos Correa. I just, there's too many teams are chasing him. I don't see the Giants doing that specifically for Correa. Uh, so maybe I, if I'm going to predict an offseason on November 1st, they're going to get a bunch of different pieces. The guys like Mitch Hanniger and Michael Conforto and, and, uh, oh, well, they'll definitely sign Taylor Rogers and, uh, Ross Stripling and maybe another starter like Sean Manaya. I, I think, that's what they'll do. And you know what? It's going to work for them. It's going to, it, depth is important. There is something to a, a quantity of quality. That's what the Giants, if they do that, I think they'll be okay. And I was right, except you had seven minutes where Aaron Judge, Arson Judge, was on the Giants, and you had a week where Carlos Correa was on the Giants. So even if the roster makes sense on November 1st, and it's realistic, and it's achievable, and it's an improvement, it just seems so disappointing because for seven minutes, there's Aaron Judge, and for a week, there's Carlos Correa. You can't come back from that, and the Giants shouldn't have to come back from that. I mean, there's just nothing they can do. They, it's not like they can go out and trade for Juan Soto or something. It's That's what it is. Yeah, and you even had uh, have Manny Machado. It's like, well, you can't think about him as a free agent now because the, uh, the Padres just uh, – they they must have come ac across like a sunken Spanish galleon or something <laughs> yeah. by Coronado Island <laughs> and with like $8 million, uh, billion dollars worth of gold doubloons in it or something. But yeah, they, so he's not going to be a free agent. I mean, you, you're basically going to be all eggs in the Shohei Otani basket for that big franchise-defining move. Uh, but that you know, those were the two objectives. Get a star player that's going to really excite the fan base after they lost so much momentum in 2022 and and improve their defense in, in, in very, very measurable ways, uh, very obvious ways. That's why I thought a Brandon Nimmo might be someone they'd target. But mm. they really didn't do either of those things. And yet, I think they did, you know, add a lot of wins and, and a lot of war to their roster by what they did do. I, I will say that I could have told you on November 1st, and it would have come to pass and it would be absolutely true. I could have very much excited you by saying, I guarantee you are going to see Aaron Judge and Carlos Rodon in the season opening series that the Giants will play. And you know what? That's what you're going to get at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> I, that was such a good underrated subplot of that whole thing was, is Aaron Judge going to be in a Giants uniform? What's the reaction going to be? Uh, or is he going to be in a Yankees uniform just soaking up the standing ovation with the Giants sitting there going, yeah, 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 come on, let's move on. We got Mitch Hanniger up, but, you know, ready. Um, so I, it, that is fascinating to me. I I will say that to your point about Brandon Nimmo, that's one of those moves that sticks with me where if the Giants have a crystal ball, 
Do they get Brandon Nimmo? Do they come back with Carlos Rodon? I think they might. I think, you know, it's tricky. You don't think the Giants are ever going to go five years for someone like Rodon. That one might be a bridge too far, but they might have pushed extra hard for Nimmo just to shore up that defense, just to to give them a little bit more depth on the corners. That's that one what if that that kind of haunts me of the offseason. Yeah, it, they also, the Mets gave a six-year contract. Uh, you know, I forget what the, the final number was, but it's, it's pretty robust to a guy that's, you know, only played, what, 140 games in a season once, I think. Think so, hmm. you know, if you look at track record, it, that you know that that was there's quite a lot of um, I guess irrationality in that contract too, and you know, so the Giants did what what they have been doing. They've been playing free agent footsie. You know, they get a Conforto that could end up being one of the best signings of the offseason. I mean, he's a guy who was one of the better offensive players in the National League, but he missed all last season because he underwent shoulder surgery uh, and was kind of stuck in free agent qualifying offer limbo land. So that was the best way for him to spend his year. Um, and But, you know, he could totally be one of the best free agent signings uh, of the offseason. And if he is, he'll probably opt out and he'll be somewhere else in 2023 or 2024, just like Carlos Rodon did. So I think that it doesn't quite scratch the itch for Giants fans who are complaining quite vocally about feeling like there's a direction, uh, feeling like they're, like they're going to have guys who are going to be here year in and year out. That is rarer than you think. And maybe there's a little bit of spoilage, I guess, that happened with having Crawford, Bell, Posey, Bumgarner. Uh, Sandoval, you know, even Pence after he was traded here was here for a number of years. I mean, that they had a lot of continuity for a long time. And, and you know, a lot of teams don't really have that. Um, you know, someone was showing me the Blue Jays roster and, and said, this is a fantastically talented team. Said, Who's the longest tenured player on there? I'm like, wow, it might be Vladdy Jr. You know, <laughs> and it's it's that's not it's really rare for teams to have that kind of continuity that the Giants had a decade ago. Uh, but and I don't think it's going to change until, you know, Casey Schmidt becomes an everyday player. Uh, Marco Luciano becomes an everyday player. Kyle Harrison becomes, uh, uh, you know, a, a cog in the rotation for a long time. And some of that may start happening uh, uh, this year uh, where it, it really didn't have a chance to happen last year. Uh, but, you know, until then, I think maybe that is where some of the disaffection comes from is like, OK, yeah, Conforto, great. I, I'm behind that. Uh, Manaya, great. I'm behind that. But, you know, are they going to be here next year? And, and that's a tough thing to answer. Uh, so I understand that, but on the same, by the same token, one thing I've, I want to push back on a little bit is the kind of doom and gloom uh, that this team is going to be dull. You know, oh, I'm, I don't want to watch all the platooning and all the, you know, um, all the openers and stuff. I don't think they're going to use openers very much. I actually think they're going to platoon a lot less because Conforto will be an everyday player, Hanniger will be an everyday player. Um, you know, they're they're going to have a little more lineup continuity and a little more roster continuity too, since there's not a lot of guys who have options. So I think you will see a team that's not a bunch of people whose names you don't recognize. Uh, and I actually think they're going to have fun and they're going to be fun to watch. I mean, J.D. Davis, once he settles in, I think is a guy who has a lot of fun uh, in a big league clubhouse. And I wrote about him in Conforto uh, uh, today with, um, you know, just how they kind of had a rollicking good time with the 19 Mets. And so, you know, for, for Giants fans who are like, I'm checking out on this season, I think that they're going to be dull and boring. I, I don't know. I, I don't get that sense. No, I... I I think that's you're right with the part where uh, you have Conforto and if he's good, he's gone. If he's awful, he's around next year and no one really wants to see that uh, or he's going to gum up the payroll or something like that. So I get that idea. One of the things that I always meant to write this offseason I didn't was a defense of that strategy of the, the player option, because what I think fans are forgetting is that feeling of 
All right. They got Aaron Rowan. And then after the first season, it's, oh, boy, they got Aaron Rowan. <laughs> yes. Barry Zito is another one. It's it, when, Those long-term deals are great when they work out, but so many don't. Uh, I, I don't mind having someone like a Carlos Rodon be there and just this flash of brilliance for a season. Then poof, he's gone uh, into the wind like dandelion spores. I, I don't mind that. But it has to be buttressed with that homegrown player. It's got to be Vaughn Brown coming up and becoming this Neo Hunter Pence kind of figure that everyone is taken to. Uh, That's got to happen. That's the only thing that's going to happen because I I don't want to do spoilers, but the Giants aren't going to get Shohei Otani. They're going to try. I really think they're going to give a good faith effort. But you know who else is? Every single team, including the Savannah Bananas, is going to try for Shohei Otani. It's just an odds and numbers game. So uh, that's what the Giants are missing. I get that. I just don't know if it's going to happen. But in the meantime, you're right. They're not that boring. They're solid throughout the roster. They don't have a lot of, ooh, this is appointment baseball guys. But they also don't have a lot of, I don't need to see this guy ever play again, guys. And that's important. And when you look at the projections, whether it's fan graphs or baseball prospectus, they're not supposed to be awful. And I I don't know. I, I'm kind of excited. Maybe it's just a, a spring training and I've got cars for kids stuck in my head and I'm just excited about baseball. Um, don't sleep on the Savannah Bananas because don't <laughs> don't underestimate uh, the recruiting prowess of uh, Johnny Damon with a big boiler um, trying to tell you to, to be his teammate. Um, yeah, you know, it, you're right. It's it's You're always setting yourself up for disappointment if you decide, okay, this one big free agent out there is going to be the key to everything and we just need to sign that player. And there are free agents that are absolutely, all you have to do is offer them the most money. If, if the Giants had offered Bryce Harper the most money, he would have been a Giant, right? But not all free agencies work that way. Aaron Judges certainly was not one of those that was going to work that way. Um, and, and Otani, I think, is someone who is going to have a, a lot of other priorities besides just, you know, who's going to offer him the, the, the most money. And, and we know that the Dodgers, I mean, their whole organizational or philosophy this offseason was to dip under um, the luxury tax. So, um, you know, so they would basically be in a position to do something big next offseason. That's about the, the most obvious big thing they could do. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't sort of hold out hope that uh, Otani's going to, you know, uh, sort of, I guess, ride in on his I don't know what if you pitch in and you also hit a lot of homers, you ride on a horse. I figure maybe it's like a unicorn. I, he, he is a unicorn. So let's go ahead and say he'll ride in on a unicorn uh, with wings, a Pegasus unicorn combo. Um, you can't count on that happening because, you know, there's going to be multiple teams. that are going to try to to, you know, to sign him. So uh, the odds are just against you uh, just from an uh, odds standpoint. Uh, but I, I, you know, I do think that they've kept a lot of powder dry in terms of their future financial flexibility. And no, you should never, ever like make signs and, and, and shake pom poms uh, and root for future fin- financial flexibility as a fan. <laughs> um, that's just not, not what sports should be about. Um, but it does sort of mean that they they can pivot in lots of interesting ways. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see also just what happens on the trade market. I mean, it was a very slow offseason in terms of trades. I think um, Sean Murphy was probably the biggest piece that was moved in any trade, uh, maybe Pablo Lopez. Uh, so maybe there wasn't much of a um, an environment for the Giants to make deals. But I'll tell you what, I think they're going to have more minor league pieces uh, that could entice teams uh, at the trade deadline. Um, so, you know, they may be in a position to do more 
um, with their roster at that point. But, you know, the first the first thing is they got to contend. And, you know, a lot of the projection systems like them and they like the Dodgers to be a little closer to 90 wins than 100. And, um, you know, the Padres, for all they've done, still have some questions with their rotation depth. And, you know, the Giants are sitting there with uh, basically maybe one four war player on their roster, Logan Webb. And then a lot of two 2.5 war players. And, and that, that adds up. It added up in 2021. And uh, I think they're counting on it adding up again. And um, they, they believe they're going to be relevant and they're going to be compelling. And, uh, you know, it, the, the projection systems like them a lot better at this time now than they did in 2021. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's necessarily misplaced optimism. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, circling back real quick, I, I want to provide a public service to our listeners. A Pegasus unicorn combination is actually called an alicorn. It's an alicorn. That is the name of a Pegasus unicorn combination. I want to make sure that everyone uh, knew that. Did you know that, Andy? I did not know that. No. The only reason I know it is because every year I have to ask a, you know, a bunch of eight-year-olds or nine-year-olds what they want their softball team name to be. And one year a girl brought it strong with alicorns. And I was like, oh, oh, oh wow. that is, that's some deep lore. Um, yeah, I, it is this season. I, I think you make a good point about the platoons and uh, about how it's not going to be as platoon friendly uh, as you think. Because you, you're going to play Michael Conforto mostly every day, even though he does struggle against lefties. He's still considered an everyday player. You're going to play Mitch Hanniger. He doesn't have a ton of platoon splits. You're going to platoon at DH with Jock Peterson and whoever's available. You're going to platoon at Mike Yastrzemski, Austin Slater in center, and then Wade and Davis maybe, Wade and Flores at first base. Those are the three areas where you're going to platoon. After that, there's no one to platoon with David VR. There's no one really to platoon with Joey Bart. Brandon Crawford, you're not platooning him. This is going to be a platoon free for the most part. Yeah, it's really interesting. And, and whether it's uh, VR or, or J.D. Davis that plays a lot at third base or, or Wilmer Flores, uh, you're right. It's it's They really don't have a left-handed option there. They do have Brett Wisely, who's an interesting guy, and Isan mm-hmm. Diaz, interesting guy, both of them on the 40-man. They can come up and down. And, you know, we asked Farhan Zaidi at the, the big media availability right when we all got to camp, you know, what do you think of the roster sort of, I guess, seeming redundancy of having, you know, a Wilmer Flores, a J.D. Davis, and, uh, you know, a David VR who does have options. And a lot of time, the guy who has options is the guy who's the odd man out, but they're very clearly see him as the incumbent at third base. And he said he doesn't see it as a redundancy. He thinks there's going to be plate appearances for all those guys. And you know what? Uh, you know, talking to JD Davis the other day, he said it's just night and day difference. Even if he, you know, is only starting every couple days, 
He knows he's going to be ready. He's probably going to get a plate appearance off the bench. And you know what? Decent chance he stays in the game because he's pinch hitting in the fifth or sixth. And he's going to get another two or three plate appearances. So, um, you know, he, he feels like he's ready and sharp every day. And that's one thing we know the Giants have done. Um, you know, even when we moved to the universal DH, they still were as aggressive in deploying their bench as anyone. And that's where I think their depth is going to help them get those matchups. So even though they may not be so platoon friendly uh, in in terms of spots in the everyday lineup, I think they're still going to be able to get matchups in the late innings. And that's, uh, you know, that led to so many uh, games being flipped from from losses to wins in 2021 and and uh, and may, may be a big part of, of of their success if they can achieve it this year. Are we warmed up enough? This is our first podcast in a long time. I, I don't want to pull anything, but are you ready for a spicy take? Yeah, go for it. All right. I don't want to pull anything, but so the differences between 20 and 21 in 2022, there's a lot of obvious ones. There's no Buster Posey. You have uh, the drop off in production from the Brandons. You have uh, X, Y and Z. And, and this didn't work out. This didn't work out. Yeah, bullpen. There's a lot of very the bullpen. Yeah, lots of noticeable differences. To me, I think one of the biggest invisible differences was that the front office, the coaching staff could not communicate because of the lockout with the players who were under contract. They could not go to someone like, oh, I don't know, uh, uh, Lamont Wade Jr. and say, we're thinking about this. We noticed this with the, the sequencing that other teams are trying to get you out with. Here's how to prepare for it. Here's something with your swing. Here's uh, one weird trick to get this sinker moving. Something like that. The Giants are so adept at coaching and spotting things and front office stuff and looking for uh, the, the hidden patterns in the matrix. That was taken from them last offseason. I don't know how to quantify it, but I'm excited to see a team that is that has been given the information by a front office that loves to give information out. Oh, I don't think that is a spicy take at all. That is like that is mild sauce. That is uh, that's not we're not in Del Scorcho territory with that one. That one was easy. That yeah, that you could serve that one at the retirement home. That that salsa. My dad um, could my dad could have that. My dad thinks pepper's too spicy. Yeah, so he can have that one. I think so. I'm pretty sure. And I'll tell you what. I I think that was going to be true on some level, regardless because of just what a strength that is for the Giants and their, and their preparation and their coaching and how much bandwidth they have on their coaching staff. Now, as I've been in camp here, I understand just how big a factor that was. And mm. forget, I mean, even getting to all of the things that you just mentioned, the most basic one is health. I mean, you had Anthony DiSclefani who had the ankle come up again. He, you know, Lamont Wade Jr. actually said that his uh, knee was bothering him toward the end of 2021. He thought that once he got to the offseason and he just rested it, he'd be fine. He wasn't. Uh, you know, when he had the, the incident in spring training, uh, we were in Maryvale and he sort of ca- caught on him as he's doubling back to third base to tag up. Um, he's like, yeah, that's honestly, I, I thought it was going to blow out before then. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so and that's totally a situation where if he is knee is bothering him, uh, he can go to the trainers. He can, you know, get looked at. He can they can do something proactive and they couldn't because he couldn't talk to anybody. So, I mean, that's a very cut and dried example of how the lockout and the inability to communicate absolutely affected a key guy from the team who wasn't the same. I think that the same is true for Brandon Belt, Di Sclafani, uh, Evan Longoria, you know, had his, he was hit by the pitch in his, uh, in his 
uh, ligament in his finger. He thought it was going to get better in the offseason. It didn't. And so he gets to spring training. He's like, guys, this doesn't feel good. Okay, you're going to have to have surgery. You're going to start miss the first two months of the season. I mean, that that's four guys right there. And I think that all of those situations would have been, you know, improved if, if they had been able to just talk to the training staff in the offseason. And then you get to Brandon Crawford, um, you know, and he has said that it was a big deal that he couldn't, um, you know, uh, caucus sort of with the coaches and 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 condition himself the same way, which, I mean, come on, I, I, I don't mean to, you know, sort of poo-poo that, but I think on some level there is some responsibility for Brandon Crawford as someone who's made a lot of money in his career and I'm sure can find nice facilities to work out that, uh, you know, that, 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 probably shouldn't have kept him from being um, a little bit better uh, conditioned when the season started last year, but it, it, it was a factor for him as well. So um, not having that kind of guidance. And, and you know, uh, Jock Peterson, another guy who didn't show up uh, to camp last year in good shape, who's in, looks to be in better shape now. So um, I, I do think that that is going to be difficult to quantify, but it is a reason to think that a lot of people who struggled last year uh, could be primed for a better year this year. Of the names you just mentioned, the one that sticks out to me as I'm very curious to see how he does this year is Lamont Wade Jr. Because of the show of faith the front office has shown in him, uh, I wrote toward the end of last year that he was kind of a bubble guy, that his disappointing season made it so it wasn't a guarantee that he'd be on the roster. I think I doubled down on that in the offseason. And the Giants very clearly, in no uncertain terms, said, no, 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 that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Uh, they didn't say that out loud, but it's they've implied it with their actions because Lamont Wade Jr., is the left-handed part of the first base platoon full stop? It's not. He's not fighting for a job this spring, I don't believe. And they're confident and they're they're thinking, yeah, this is a good idea. This is preferable to anything that we had from the outside, any options we could have uh, exercised from the outside. So let's let's see what Wade can do. I'm excited about it. Yeah, when you look at the combination of they let they walked away from Brandon Belt, who had been their first baseman for a decade, who you know is coming off a, a tough season with the knee, but you know is feeling a lot better about his prognosis for next year. And you know that when he's healthy, he launches the ball better than almost anybody in the major leagues. He you know works uh, deep counts and has makes swing decisions better than almost anyone in the major leagues. And those are skills that that. Um, you know, that, that are pretty sticky, regardless of if you're nicked up or not. Um, and when he's healthy, he's actually a pretty good defensive first baseman, uh, which, you know, obviously he wasn't last year. He was a terrible defensive first baseman because of that knee. But they walked away from that, from Brandon Belt, when they could have brought him back for, what did the Blue Jays sign him for, 10 or 11 million? And mm -hmm. so I, I think you could very easily first guess um, the sequence of events where they chose Jock Peterson at 19 million over Brandon Belt at 11 million. And not only that, uh, I think they they you know the big calculus in that decision was they wanted to give Lamont Wade Jr. more exposure on this roster. So I think that it could end up not working out. It could end up working out great. Um, actuarial perspective, I think they realized they needed to be healthier. And you know Brandon Belt is older and he's had more chronic knee issues. I think they also could have foreseen some more performance out of Evan Longoria. Clearly, he got a big league deal uh, with the Diamondbacks, who, who think that he can be a valuable uh, guy in, in a, you know, a, a little bit more of a limited role and a leader. Uh, they, they still valued those two guys in the corners, but they, I think they learned their lesson from last season that they just need to start getting healthier somewhere and making those tough decisions. But, you know, it is, if you were to say, would you rather have Jock Peterson back at $19 million to be a DH or Brandon Belt back at $11 million to DH? 
I would think Belt would be the better value, um, but you know, they, they don't make that decision if they don't have confidence that Lamont Wade Jr. can step in and, and be somebody who's a really productive left-handed hitter in your lineup and, and, and play a decent first base. Yeah, you know all the medals that I have from the Belt Wars. You, you've you seen my honors in the accolades. I have been a, a faithful servant in the Belt Wars for uh, a decade now. And this was the one year that finally I said, you know what, the, the Giants got to move on. And the Giants have to move on, not because Belt's going to be bad this year, not because he doesn't have skills that they that they need, because he, he brings on-base percentage, he brings long at-bats, he brings power to that D8 spot. He would have been a fine choice, but they just, they, they can't be in that situation where all of a sudden he's gone and they're scrambling to find a left-handed DH. And that just happens so often. And he's only getting older and he's just a, he's just like a big guy and he's going to break down a little bit. So I think I would have taken Peterson over Belt at that price point. Um, and that's before I went and, you know, apologies to the people who actually read what I write, but I went and I uh, looked for all the hits that Jock Peterson might have had taken away from the shift last year. And by my very informal, very uh, sketchy calculations, he would have hit 297 last year, 297. And his power would still be there. And I think that blip where in, in June, where he just wasn't hitting a home run at all. I, I think that was like, like I said, a blip. I think he's pretty good. I think he was a very underrated offensive player last year. And if you get him out of the outfield, which I think is the plan, I, I I think he could do it again. He could just have a fantastic year again. Yeah, he gave back a lot of his value on the defensive side. Mm-hmm. So that that's the key is to take away, um, take that away, and then just uh, reap the benefits from uh, what he does for you on the hitting side. And yeah, it's if you look at the metrics, and and JD Davis is almost a right-handed version of him. I don't think that uh, uh, his numbers against lefties are quite as good as as Jock's against righties. But if you look at hard hit rate. Um, and Justin Vili, the Giants hitting coach, uh, told me to look this up, and I did. Um, and uh, a, a cool stat on StatCast is percentage of your contact that was 95 uh, miles per hour exit velo or higher, which basically is like who makes the most consistent hard contact. Uh, J.D. Davis was um, third in the major leagues last year behind behind guys named Aaron Judge and Jordan Alvarez. So, I mean, that's good. You know, that that's all right. He also had the second highest in-zone whiff rate of anybody in the major leagues last year. I think um, uh, uh, Christopher Morell of the Cubs was the only guy higher. And that means that, yeah, Joey Bart was below him. So J.D. Davis swung and missed at more strikes, a higher percentage of the time than Joey Bart did. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but his hand strength wasn't there. And uh, and by the by the end of the season, it was. So he's thinking that he can uh, find a way to make an adjustment to at least foul off those high fastballs that he swung through so often and, and get another pitch. And, and if he does get a pitch that he can handle, uh, he hits it hard. And between Peterson and Davis, those are two guys that have some skills that are, are pretty elite. And and the Giants feel really good that they're going to get a lot out of those two guys uh, this year. Or, now, you got to find a way that they don't give back the value defensively. Uh, and, and Davis obviously can't DH as often as Jock can. But I think he, Davis is going to face his share of right-handed pitching, too. He does not have severe splits. So, um, he's he's a guy I'm very interested to see how he's deployed this year, um, and uh, and yeah, I mean th- this is a team that I think is going to hit a lot more home runs than they did last year, and the home run was a big part of their game in 2020 21. Obviously, led the NL, and I think that uh, I think they're going to be improved on that front. 
Yeah, that uh, spicy take that turned out not to be spicy uh, also applies to the players who are coming into the organization who had disappointing years last year. Mitch Haniger wasn't allowed uh, to talk with uh, medical people that he's used to in, in the front office and J.D. Davis wasn't allowed to get the help that perhaps he wanted. So that applies to them as well. Great point. Uh, yeah, really good yeah. point. I just, I I don't know. Like, I I do want to, because we are in what? We are in minute 29. We're almost out of time. If you're listening to this podcast and you're seething because we sound like a bunch of homers and we're just like, wow, the Giants are on pace for 95 wins. I think that's the wrong takeaway. I, I think there are a clear distant third in the division behind the Padres and the Dodgers. And I'm very bullish on the Diamondbacks. I think they're a team to watch. So I don't want to leave you with the idea that we're just sitting here going, oh, man, 95 wins. Here we come. I just think they're a better team than they've been given credit for after Arson Judge in a week of Carlos Correa. I, I think pushing back on that is important, and then we'll get to the grumbling uh, when the games actually start. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I see it exactly the same way. And, and if if it does seem like we're pushing back a little bit on it, it's just because you know we we were both subjected to the um, the kind of I guess echo chamber of you know certain segments of the fan base that are more vocal than others. And you know it, it doesn't mm. minimize their opinions either. It doesn't minimize anyone's opinion. Opinions, or if you're not excited about this team, or, or you feel that it's you know uh, it, you're going to check out a Giants baseball this year, hey, that that's fine. You know, go to the beach, do <laughs> learn 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 how to play the piano, do whatever you know gives you fulfillment. But um, I, I think this team is going to be a little more interesting to watch than uh, than, than maybe some people uh, are, are assuming. I wouldn't just say the die is cast and this is going to be a dull team. That that would be my only point. Um, but then again, you know, who knows? They have some injuries early. The schedule is very tough early in the year. They might if they get to Mother's Day and they're 500 team or better, then I think that that they're going to deserve everybody's attention. So um, but, you know, we've got a long way to go before we even get to opening day. And we're going to start settling back into doing podcasts again and and talk a little bit more granularly about some of the stuff going on with the team and the roster. So I look forward to it. I look forward to it as well. This has been episode 221 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. Uh, we will be back. Did we settle set on that? TBA, we will be like the Giants rotation when we ask Gabe Kapler. TBA. Uh, Does that mean there's going to be like an opener? Is there going to be like uh, Eno's going to come on and jabber for seven minutes about seam-shifted wake? Yeah, he might. I'm uh, going to be taking a little break uh, next week, so I'm not quite sure if we'll be able to sneak in a podcast next week. Uh, But we are going to – I'm pretty sure we're going to do one a week for the rest of the spring, um, maybe starting around the second week of March, and then go to our regular two-a-week schedule. Uh, I should probably have had this discussion uh, with Tanika before we before I say that. But uh, either way, we're gonna have we're gonna be jabbering at each other a lot. So if if you're a regular podcast listener, thank you, thank you for your patience and and us getting to you uh, and getting around to recording again. And uh, we really look forward to having you around for the ride all all this year. Uh, can I give you a list of a, one of my favorite record stores is in Phoenix. Uh, it's the In Groove. Uh, can I give you a list of stuff? Just kind of go in there and poke around and see if you can find it. I can try. I can certainly try. All right. This has been episode 221 of the Bags and Brisbee podcast. We'll be back in a couple of weeks and resume a normal schedule. So we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.